You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. This is episode 79. I'm one of your hosts, Matt, and this is going to be a unique episode in that that we do not have Gandalf. Dun, 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 play ominous music. <laughs> and, and Yeah, so it, it reminds me of a scene from a movie, of course. Uh, of course, it's Lord of the Rings, but we'll get to that in a minute. But before we get well, to can that, I, can, I just say, all, can I just say this has been a long time coming? Uh, you know, when, uh, when we started, I was clever segue guy and, uh, I'm, that was taken from me by a certain wizard who is not here and shall remain nameless. Um, and so I'm not sure what I contribute to the show anymore, but now you've stolen intros from him. So, um, (laughs) that's right. I don't believe weeks in a row for me. I don't believe in karma, but if I did, (laughs) (laughs) oh, that's good. So anyway, to our listening audience, we want to thank you for joining us each week, each Tuesday, to discuss the grand narrative of the Bible. And this is only possible because you listen each week. I talk to just about someone each week discovering uh, a new listener out there, and we thank you for continuing to like and subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by hitting uh, the positive button, the plus sign on Apple Podcasts or the follow or subscribe button there on uh, Spotify or whatever that act interaction is on Google podcast as well. So thank you for being a faithful listener. And I would in, invite each of you who are listening to tell somebody else about the podcast. That's where we've received our most growth is word of mouth of people telling others about uh, what's going on in this discussion, in this conversation. You are so, our advertising strategy. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. And uh, we certainly are going to miss Gandalf today, uh, but I think it's going to be a great episode. This is really uh, just to prove to ourselves that we can record an episode without him. We can't. We still can't do an episode without him because he's going to have to come behind us and edit this down, and you know, do all the audio filters and stuff that he does, and then publish right. it to the to the server, and then have it go from the server to the various platforms. So there's still 15 steps for him to do. But we're show on this one step, this one thing, we're going to, we're going to do it. Right. We're going to prove that we can still talk without him. So anyway, we'll, we'll give it a go. As if that were in doubt. (laughs) (laughs) So, so anyway, want to, uh, re-engage the text today. We're going to be in Genesis 16 and we're going to talk about a, this could almost be a standalone discussion. This is a standalone conversation because it's it's taking a peek at a character that's in, introduced here in Genesis 16. And uh, I will go ahead and read today because here's what we're going to do. We're going to let Nathan drive this discussion. I'm I, going to I was going to say, what, 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 even in Gandalf's absence, I'm not sure what I contribute. Uh, <laughs> no, you're giving the content. And Nathan oh, has actually, actually done a specific study uh, as a Bible teacher 
on this subject today. And we're going to be talking about the angel of the Lord. And we've talked about in previous weeks, how this character has been introduced in the story of Hagar. And we're going to look at that today. I'm going to read a little bit of Genesis 16, and we will just be off to the races and talking about this mysterious character that is introduced and what to do with it. What is it? Who is he? It's not an it really, but who is he? And uh, I think it's going to be an exciting episode. So I'm going to prompt Nathan with questions, and I'm going to try to play the role of both Gandalf and myself. And uh, hopefully it will be a productive endeavor. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to read Genesis 16, and I am going to begin in verse number seven and read through verse number, let's go uh, 14. We've already read this in the past, but it will be a good reminder. As always from the ESV, the angel of the Lord found her by spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to shore. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man and his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. He shall dwell over against all of his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing for she said, truly here, I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Be'er Lahai Rui. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. So we've just read the scripture. Nathan, today we're going to talk about the angel of the Lord. Who is he? That's the million dollar question, right? That's <laughs> so this is what you're trying to do is turn me into the scandalous topics guy. Um, <laughs> uh, so we, we know that angels are referred to in many cases in the old Testament and in, in our earlier episodes, especially when we were talking about, uh, the divine council, the heavenly host, we talked about different forms of uh, celestial beings, angels, how sometimes uh, in Greek and Hebrew, you have an interchange where something uh, where you see angelos in Greek, but you will see Elohim, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, among the, the Psalm 8 is one of those occasions. Yes. Like, um, for, and to, to, talking about the Septuagint translation of Greek versus the Hebrew translation. Yeah. So usually a lot of times in uh, in the, in the English, you see, uh, you have made him a little lower than the angels. Uh, but in, right. in Hebrew, that's Elohim. The angels right. is coming from the Greek Septuagint. Yeah. We we've talked about right. some of those, but among the angels, we have some named angels with which we're familiar, like Gabriel and Michael. Um, but there's this somewhat enigmatic figure that is the angel of the Lord. So in the Hebrew old Testament, that's the Ha-Malak Yahweh. Uh, and in the Septuagint, the Greek translation, that's 
Ho Angelos Curiu. This is a specific designated angel, and he's referred to, I think, if I've done my search parameters right on Logos, uh, shout out to Logos Bible Software or Logos, mm -hmm. however you pronounce it. Um, I think he's referred to about 54 times uh, specifically as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. And about a tenth of those times, a ninth of those times, in fact, are in the Abraham narratives. Uh, overwhelmingly right here in Genesis 16, this is the first occurrence. Uh, and then he pops up again in Genesis uh, 22 uh, with the uh, the binding of Isaac story. So, Nathan, in the occurrence of, you know, these addresses to the angel of the Lord or when he shows up and actually speaks, um, what is the the response of the people? Do they actually see him? This is, I mean, yeah, that's, that's what makes it so enigmatic is, uh, in all of these passages, you know, so you have this not, so this is a good example, right? Um, uh, over and over again, this passage has the angel of the Lord. It's there in seven. It's there in verse nine. It's there in verse 10. It's there in verse 11. And yet when, uh, Hagar is responding to this in real time, she doesn't call it well of the angel who sees me. She calls it well of the living one who sees me. And she gives a name That's not right. to an angel. She gives a name to God. And so, right. uh, in other words, there, when people, that's the interesting and complex thing about it is when people encounter the angel of the Lord, uh, as distinct from other angels, they understand themselves to have an encounter with God himself. This is the same thing at Sinai, uh, Exodus chapter three, uh, when Moses is speaking to God through the burning bush in verse two, it says, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame within the bush. But as Moses speaks to the bush, he speaks as though he's speaking with God, God. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, so let me let me tell you something because uh, you know, as as a kid growing up in church, one of the things that I learned was that hey, uh, Exodus thirty three twenty, you cannot see God's face, for no one can see God's face and live. All right. Uh, how do we reconcile people seeing this God if no one is seeing God? I think about. John one eighteen. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, uh, one, no has one has seen, seen God. God at any time. Right. That's right. The only God who's at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Of course, that's a reference to Jesus. But how is it? You know, we just read Hagar's words. I mean, it's 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 as clear as day. I have seen Him who sees me. And, and that's I mean, funny. You quoted the verse from Exodus, right? Mm -hmm. And it's also in Exodus that it says uh, of Moses that. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as face one to face speaks to a man. So how can yes. how can the Lord speak to Moses face to face and Moses both see God and not see God? That's that's mm. the complex thing about this. How how is this angel in some sense God and in some sense oh, oh let me make it more specific than that. How is this angel in some sense Yahweh and in some sense not Yahweh? Is that a is that a better way to say it? Right. Uh, uh, one one more thing out there, just I think of something that Paul said. First Timothy six sixteen, who alone has immortality, referring to God. Uh, talk, he's just called him earlier in the verse before, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. 
Yeah. And, it, and it's tough to reconcile that with like uh, Old Testament passages. I think of Isaiah six. Um, he saw God on the throne. Yeah. And, and, and it, and it's so directly too, right? Right. Uh, because right. he says, woe is me for I am ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king, the king, the Lord of hosts. Mm. So how do you reconcile similar to Ezekiel chapter one, when Ezekiel describes, I think it's verses 26 through 28, uh, this appearance of God. And he has to keep speaking in analogy and he builds to this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Um, I love that by the way. Um, mm. and, uh, so how do we reconcile people who seem to have visions of God, Moses speaking with the Lord face to face, Isaiah saying, woe is me. My eyes have seen the King with, uh, repeated assertions, sometimes within the same book, like Exodus, that no one sees God directly. Uh, mm. that is a huge biblical paradox, right? It's a paradox. And here would be a question I would have for you. Is it possible that they did not even reconcile it? That they just embraced it as a paradox? Well, they wouldn't be very good contemporary theologians if they did. Uh, <laughs> uh, tongue for, in cheek, for instance, just kidding. I, yeah, I think, about, I think about the blessing, and we've talked about this in previous weeks, in Genesis 48, when Jacob is speaking a blessing over Joseph's children, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he says this in Genesis 48, 15, and he blessed Joseph and said, the God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. So he keeps talking the, about God directly. That's right. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys and let my name be carried on and the name of my father's Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So I do not, it, he just God, uses God and the angel of the Lord interchangeably. That's right. Um, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. The, um, so this makes me, so I'm not an old Testament scholar. So that's my, you know, cop out to address this directly. Uh, my, <laughs> my, uh, my most intense study is in new Testament. I have an old Testament Hebrew professor father. So. Um, I'm just trying not to, you know, disgrace the family in anything I say on the podcast. Um, but my, my training is in, um, new Testament and Greek, uh, primarily I, d I did a lot of Hebrew. My dad gave me a Hebrew grammar for my birthday. Um, and we did Hebrew camp even before I took it, uh, for several semesters as a class under him. And then at seminary more, um, okay. That was too much about that anyway. So I'm a Greek new Testament guy. Um, and, and there's a scholar in the, in the new Testament studies, who's talking about Jesus, right? Because when everyone encounters Jesus in real time, um, they encounter God in human flesh, but during his lifetime, they haven't worked out Jesus's oneness with the father. They have not worked out in his lifetime that he's the incarnate mm -hmm. eternal son of God. Fair. Fair. Uh, or it, cause if they had, we would have gotten to a, to a Nicene creed much faster. <laughs> right. Um, but what they do. That, okay. So not everybody knows what the Nicene creed is. Um, oh, uh, well, uh, this it's, it's a creed capturing, uh, the, the classic Christian belief. Uh, when I, when I appeal to Nicene, the main thing that we're after is that Jesus is, uh, that the son is homo usios, the same substance as the father. He's not like the father. Right. He is one with the father. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, but there's a scholar who's trying to navigate, he's trying to do honest history and integrate that with orthodox theology. 
how can we say that Jesus is fully human and fully divine? And uh, Richard Bauckham offers what he calls a Christology of divine identity. And what he means by that is even before they were doing like high-level metaphysical theological reflection on the significance of Jesus, they were experiencing things with Jesus the man in real time that said, this guy is more than a man. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think of that scene in Mark 2. This is early in Jesus's ministry where the 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 paralytic man's friends lower him through the roof, right? Right. Because um, they want the guy to be healed. And to everyone's surprise, Jesus doesn't lead off with you're healed. What does he lead off with? Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And if you remember that scene, the response of those standing there is, this guy is blaspheming. Why? Who can forgive sins except, except God? Except God alone. And so but it's it's actually even more than that. They don't say that. Jesus perceives their thoughts. That's right. Jesus perceives them thinking this in their and hearts. So who could reveal the thoughts of man except for God alone? That's it. And that's it. And so in real time, even before they've had high-level theological, philosophical, metaphysical reflection, they see Jesus, the man, doing things that only God can do. And if there's an Old Testament equivalent for that, it's the angel of the Lord. Um, and in fact, Nathan, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was thinking about one other thing when you were talking about angel of the Lord and going to the New Testament, and that would be Matthew 17, the transfiguration. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I, well, and by the way, the Bible Project, who does everything far more succinct than we do, have, has a wonderful video on the angel of the Lord. So you can listen to our 30 minute episode or you can watch their four minute video and learn just as much. Um, <laughs> da, 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 da. um, um, so one of the ways the Bible project, Tim Mackey parses this out is he would say that the angel of the Lord, um, is the earthly, uh, manifestation of a heavenly reality. Mm-hmm. It is, so it is an earth or, whole... or the earthly projection of a heavenly reality. In other words, so people can see it and encounter it, uh, but God is very much in heaven and he's sending, uh, some form of messenger. And, and again, sometimes uh, it's a burning bush, right? Um, right. Um, so that's still holding to the God dwells in unapproachable light. No one has ever seen him at any time, but yet the unseeable God could decide the unseeable, all powerful God could decide to manifest himself in some way, in a visible way, and still not in his essence be seen. Is that fair? That's fair. And, and again, this is, this is tough to parse out. So if we make a mistake, it's not with malicious intention. Um, Correct. That, that's fair. Cause it's, again, it's, it's tough to parse out. Um, so, um, Bible project would say there's an earthly, uh, sphere and a heavenly sphere overlapping. And the angel of the Lord is kind of like God's he- projection of him, of his heavenly self into the earthly sphere. They would distinguish mm. that from the incarnation by saying in the incarnation, the God of the heavenly sphere enters fully into the earthly sphere, becomes a man, 100% God, 100% man in the person of Jesus. And then they would say, and then in the uh, transfiguration, those three disciples that go up with uh, Jesus on the mountain get an image of Jesus overlapping his earthly, uh, his earthly being with his full heavenly glory, right? Hmm, right. Um, and so... 
Uh, man, that's pretty complex for your mind's eye. Draw a picture of that and put it on your fridge, right? Um, so it's interesting. One of the responses that, uh, that Peter has to that is to build three tabernacles or three temples. One for, because if you remember in the transfiguration, uh, the transfiguration, Moses and Elijah appear and speak with Jesus and Peter, James, and John just somehow know, uh, you know, you know, there are no pictures of Moses. So they reckon somehow they know that it is Moses and Elijah. Well, and, and, and it needs to be said, and this is often overlooked in that passage, but both mm -hmm. Moses and Elijah have encounters with the angel of the Lord in the old Testament for Elijah. It's that in first Kings 19 for Moses. It's Exodus three. But Peter being a, a Jew, even a Galilean Jew, building a temple to a human being or a tabernacle honoring a human being would be totally foreign. Uh, oh, so that's not, like, that's not like the New Testament equivalent of like naming a pew or a Sunday school room after yourself. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Just kidding. But yeah, that's right. But they are acknowledging what they are looking at is more than just human beings. That's it. So, um, and, and so they're, they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And, and, and it's tough and it's tough because, you know, it's, it's that intersection between contextual biblical studies and theology. And that conversation needs to happen more often than it does. A lot of time, if you hear, you know, from a theological perspective, they'll take that whole, well, man, uh, kind of like Richard Bauckham says with the Christology of divine identity that I mentioned. If Jesus is forgiving sins, if Jesus knows the thoughts and intentions of mankind, then he's doing things that only God can do. Ergo, when he pronounced sins, he's at least indirectly claiming to be God. Uh, well, a theologian would say, well, man, if you go back to the Old Testament, uh, which by the way, we don't see, we see Jesus in the New Testament, but we don't see who in the New Testament. You have no references the to of the, Lord. the angel of the Lord. Interesting. Uh, and so a theologian would go back to the Old Testament and say, hey, if you're willing to do that for your Christology in the New Testament with Jesus, uh, you, you sure do see something similar with the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. Is this, uh, is this the, the theologian would ask, a pre-incarnate uh, theophany or Christophany manifestation of Christ in the Old Testament? Um, and, I, and I'm going to be honest, if, if you wanted to make a case for that, the angel of the Lord is the way to make the case for that. Fair. That's huh? correct. Um, I think so. Uh, and it's, but, and we, you, it's but you just can't say it for sure. <laughs> yeah, you can't. And it's tough because, uh, one of the things that we try to do in the podcast, even if we fail miserably at it, um, is not to be too quick to appropriate, um, their language into the way that's most convenient for, we, we, we want to look at their worldview, not just their words. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. You're talking about all this. Gandalf is not here today. And, uh, you know, we and the million dollar before. question is, where is he? <laughs> yeah. Where is he? We were laughing about if you've seen Lord of the Rings, the movies or read the books. Uh, but, uh, the scene in the movie where Gandalf has this showdown in the mines of Moria on the bridge of Casa Doom with the Balrog this, this ancient demon and leading up to this point in, in the movie version, Gandalf is seen and understood to be a wizard, but he hasn't really done anything that would strike you as, wow, he, he has really significant power. There's something 
extra special about this guy. Well, and, and, but and when he, same thing with the, their enemies. Uh, so that's right. Uh, in other words, if it, to this point in, in Lord of the Rings, whether you're uh, reading the books or watching the movies, probably the latter. Um, but at, at this point, when you see the different styles of characters on screen, you see them almost as different ethnicities, right. uh, different different races. Uh, here are the dwarves. Here are the elves. Here's this. Right. Yeah. You would almost think human for Gandalf, if that's fair. He's he's, he's right. certainly much taller than the hobbits. Um, right. Uh, and on, on, the, like on, the, a man. on the bad guy end, you've got you know goblins and orcs and stuff like that. But when you get to the Balrog, this dude looks like he's made out of fire. Yeah. Right. In other words, he's not just mean, scary, and ugly. He's made of fire, which is something fundamentally different than they'd encountered up to that point. Correct. Uh, that there was something more to this foe, and it revealed that there was something more to Gandalf. And he, he, you know, reveals himself as the servant of the secret fire, that type of thing. And so our, our point is, is that thinking about the trans, there are unseen realities behind this character. You see, <laughs> that's right. That, uh, that's right. So, uh, the angel of the Lord, how many times did you say 54 times? And that I, I, I didn't really refine my search parameters. So it. It's right. at least the phrase. It's at least that. It's quite possibly far more than that. Correct. But you, you know, another story that I think about where the angel of the Lord shows up is is Daniel, uh, where the the angel of the Lord, the angel comes and shuts the mouths of the lions. But another thing is interesting. In Daniel three, the fiery furnace episode where the three Hebrew children are thrown into the fiery furnace and a fourth one appears. And it's interesting. Nebuchadnezzar is the one who says this, this fourth one looks like one of the sons of the gods or looks like the son of God, but more likely he was saying one of the sons of the gods, even foreign cultures to Israel have in their wheelhouse manifestations of like, they understand that this other worldly reality at times overlaps and there is a manifestation and they understood those characters to be, you know, as Nebuchadnezzar said, one of the sons of the gods. So it's, it's, it's interesting that there are other appearances of angels in the Bible, but this one is different because only this angel is called Yahweh. Yeah. Uh, again, this, this, this angel, the angel of the Lord, uh, ha malak, uh, Yahweh or, uh, ho angelos kiryu, uh, from Hebrew and Greek. Um, this one is being used interchangeably and its activities are described interchangeably with Yahweh himself. Um, and so, uh, that's not easy to resolve. Uh, but, uh, if you, if again, if you were making if you wanted to make a case for pre-incarnate uh, appearances of Christ, uh, to me, this is the figure to whom you would appeal to do so. So let me ask another question, Nathan, because going back, if we're, if we you, take what Paul you says, just, you just triggered Siri on my phone. That's hilarious. Oh, <laughs> and if I don't, and if I don't know the answer, we're going to ask her, we're going to ask Siri. <laughs> so let me ask another question. I mean, taking what Paul said, Hey, no one, or Jesus said, or, or John, no one's seen God at any time and in John one, but what Paul says that 
the father dwells in unapproachable light. Um, no one has seen him. Who walked with Adam and Eve in the garden in the coolness of the day? Like, I know it doesn't say the angel of the Lord was the one walking with God in the garden or walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. But could it be possible, even though it's not called angel of the Lord, the same kind of mystery is tied up there as well? Hmm. I'm going to outkick that question to scandalous topics guy. <laughs> so well, uh, that's a, I mean, that's a good is, question. That's a good question. I mean, what do you do with, you know, they heard God walking in the coolness of the day. Um, I'm going to give you my of, very favorite answer. What's that? I don't know. Let me look into it some more. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So it, it could be that maybe the angel of the Lord and whoever this is in the garden, you kind of deal with them in, in the same way, perhaps, because both are referred to as God and both are visible and interacting with physical humanity. And especially the person of God in the garden, they physically hear him moving through the garden. They hear his sound mm, That's and, right. and, and, and they hide. So, I mean, it, when thinking about, and it's interesting because the garden, much like the mountain, uh, Mount of Transfiguration is kind of one of those, uh, heavenly reality, earthly reality, overlapping places. Correct. Uh, so it's, it's tough. It's tough to parse out, uh, and God mm. bless the patient listeners who have listened, uh, to all of this. Right. Uh, and again, we all do the... commend to you the, the, the much uh, crisper, concise, uh, more concise, uh, video, uh, from Bible project. Those guys do a great yes. job. Well, very good. Well, hopefully we've answered some questions or at least asked the right questions. And, uh, we can all try to get our minds around this subject just a little bit more, but I don't think for any of us when talking about God in the Bible, landing on mystery should not be foreign. There's just, there's no way to encapsulate God in a nutshell. You just can't do it. And the parts where we are able to put parameters around our understanding of God are the parts that he has allowed us to do that with. Uh, but there's no way for us to, you know, you can't put God in a box. Amen. Um, well, right. we've answered, uh, I don't know how many questions we've answered, but we've not answered the million dollar question. Where is Gandalf? Oh, um, so Gandalf, yeah, if you're uh, listening to this, please come back and edit and publish <laughs> this episode and let us return to our respective roles on the show. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, to, to vouch for Gandalf here, he is actually at world changer camp doing training and, uh, he is out doing a good deed. So he's a wizard will... of many hats. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He shall return well, as thank... Gandalf the white. That's right. Well, thank you <laughs> listener for listening today. Hopefully this has been a helpful time to you. We do anticipate Gandalf to be back with us next time. Oh, can I channel and him real quick? Sure. And if you don't want to go missing, go ahead and click like and subscribe to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. <laughs> that's not a threat. <laughs> uh, but if you don't want to go missing, right. if you want to stay tuned and know where we are every single week, just click like and subscribe to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. And we'll be here every Tuesday morning uh, bringing you the next part of the grand narrative of scripture. 
All right. Sounds good. See you next time. Shalom. Look to my coming on the first light of the fifth day. At dawn, look to the east.